Well, please be seated. Happy Easter. You guys had that He Has Risen Indeed thing down like no other year we've ever had that. I don't know what the deal is, but it was working. So let me try it. See if we'll, we should just do it again. What a great idea, Dan. Let's try it again. He has risen. Um, that brings me back. And it keeps us grounded here in the, in the present, too. Well, happy Easter. I, it, was a, it was an exciting morning. I, I rolled in here around 6, uh, 6.45, and, and the thing that shocked me was I felt like I was late. I come in, and stuff is set up, and musicians are tuning up. And it, it, before I even got here, this was just fantastic. So thanks to all of you who put in all this hard work. Um, if you didn't, if you, yeah, for those, yeah, thank you. Um, for those who are, for those who are new here, this isn't our building. We don't own one. Um, I had a nephew once who came, and uh, he came and walked in. He was here for the first time. He comes walking in. He thought this was a building that we owned. He goes, this is the richest church I've ever seen. It was pretty cool. But it's not our building. So, so all of this, all the flowers, all of the preparations, everything, um, was set up by folks who, who came and served, and there'll be a lot of ham that gets cold while we pack it all up and uh, before we head out. So thanks, everybody, for that. And, oh, sorry. We tell you guys to turn off your phones, but mine's buzzing. So let me just... Oh, this is weird. Hold on a sec. This is going to sound goofy, but i got to take this because uh, it's a text. And just to verify, just so that I'm not putting you guys on or anything, who's the text from? What does it say up there? Who's the text from? The future. Did we? I feel like a magician here. Did we do this beforehand? Did we? No, it says it's from the future. And what does the message from the future say? Every kid who stands up will receive a free gift. All right, I told you this is weird. <laughs> we have a text from the future, and the text says that every kid who stands up is going to get a glow stick. Kids, if I were you... I'd stand up. Give it a shot. Oh, we got a couple who are taking. All right. A couple are standing. Oh, and look what's coming in. Oh, now they're standing. <laughs> look at this. We got glow sticks for all the kids that are standing up. And if there's one that's standing up and it's kind of like this, parents point to them. Because some of these kids, I see them standing. They're kind of, they're not really tall. Look at that. Wow. Okay, if anyone else is going to text me, it's off now. So there will be no more texts coming, coming my way. Yeah, so hook them up with the, the wow, how about that? Well, as, as the kids are getting their glow sticks, and kids, make sure you wave that hand if you didn't get yours yet. Um, while the kids are getting their glow sticks, let's take a look at the screens here. Um, coincidentally, we, 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 have, we were going to talk about this. Take a look at this. Um, this is a quote by a guy named N.T. Wright, a brilliant scholar. Uh, and he writes this. He says, when it's 10 o'clock in the evening here, it's already 10 o'clock in the morning in Australia. Perhaps you have friends or relatives like Mike Dvorak in Australia or New Zealand. Perhaps they may phone you and they may wake you up in the middle of the night. Well, what happens in the resurrection is like this. The whole world is still in old time. 10 o'clock at night, evil and death are still at work. We're still asleep. But suddenly we get not a phone call, but a visit from someone who's living in, say it with me, new time. He's already in the new day. He's in the future. He has gone through death and out into God's new world, God's new creation. And to our astonishment, he's come into our world, which is still in old time, to tell us the day has in fact dawned that even though we feel sleepy and still seems dark, the new world has begun. And we better get up 
and get busy. Amen. Jesus' resurrection body, listen to this. Jesus' resurrection body is the first bit of a new creation. The sign of the new world that is to come. In terms of Good Friday as the sixth day, Holy Saturday as the seventh day, the day when God rested after creation, Easter is an eighth day. The first day of the new week. It's not the end, it's the what? It's the beginning. Now, this isn't something that this guy just pulled out of nowhere. Brilliant guy, but this isn't something he just came up with on his own. This is something the Bible speaks to in passages like this. We've been looking at the writings of a guy named John. Look at one of the things that, that John wrote in one of his letters. This is a guy, again, this is a guy who, who got a chance to learn from Jesus directly. Okay? He heard from the Master with his own ears. And look what he, he writes. He writes this, The darkness, it's passing away. The true light is what? Already shining. The kids just got a text from the future. And all of the kids who, who respond to that, to that, to that message from the future, all the kids who, who prepared for this, this thing that was to come, they were blessed. They were blessed. And how much more, we're going to look today to the Word of God, how much more are we blessed if we respond to this, this message that we've been given about the day that's to come? The day that's here and the day that's yet to come. Um, the text, obviously, that I'm referring to is, is the Bible. And often when we think about the Bible, we rightly think of it as an accurate testimony to things that happened in the past. There's some things in here that are accurate testimonies of things that happened in the past. But the Bible's more than that. The Bible also contains things that are practical in our life right now. There are principles in this book that if you apply them, oh, your life is going to be better, qualitatively better than it is now. But it's more than that. This book also, it's like that visit from the future where we can read of things that are yet to come. And we're blessed if we hear and put these into practice. Now, before we dig into today's text, um, I'd encourage you to write this down. Inside your bulletins, there's a yellow sheet of paper. I'd encourage you to pull that out, even if you're not normally a note taker. There's something about writing these, these realities down. I'd encourage you to write this. The resurrection is the exclamation point to Jesus' claims. We're going to be looking at some amazing claims here. And Jesus made a number of amazing claims when he walked on this, this earth. One of them was, he says, I'm the light of the world. That's what he said. He said, I'm the light of the world. And he spoke of this kingdom that he described in terms of already being here, but a kingdom that's also still coming. It's a day that's going to dawn. And Jesus talked about all these things. And he authenticated his words with some miraculous signs and wonders while he walked this earth. Well, of all those signs, of all those wonders, none are more miraculous than the one that we celebrate this day at Easter. Empty tomb. So we're going to look at this account um, in John, as, as John records it. It's in the book of John, chapter 20. Here's G John's account of this amazing resurrection event. If you have your Bibles open to John, chapter 20, Verse 1, if you don't have a Bible at home, we would love to send you home with one free today. So you can look at these words yourself. Um, we have a stack of them there at the welcome table. Please take one as a free gift for you. Here we go. John chapter 20, verse 1 says this. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw that a stone had been taken away from the tomb. All right, let's hit, hit pause right there and talk about this just a little bit. 
One of the themes, if you haven't been with us for the last couple weeks, one of the themes that we see in this, in John's writings, is this theme of light and dark. He has this contrast that continues to weave throughout his writings of light and darkness. And he, dis- he uses darkness as a, as a description of disobedience to God or, or not understanding clearly things about God or disbelief. So he uses darkness in that kind of a way. Well, one of the other things that we see in the Bible that happens when it's dark, God is often doing his greatest work. In fact, if you, you read into the, into the scriptures, if you were to go back many, many chapters and many, many hundreds of years, you'd read of the people of Israel when they were in slavery. Well, after being in slavery for 400 years, what time of day were they finally delivered by God out of slavery? It was at night. And when Jesus stepped into the world, in the, well, he didn't step as he was born into the world as a little baby. When was he born into the world? It was at night. And right here we read, Jesus' resurrection happened when? At night. So some of you need to hear that because some of you are facing some dark stuff right now. God is often doing his greatest work at night. What a, what a hopeful passage. We're one verse in. All right, let's uh, continue reading here. We're going to go verses 2 through 10. All right. Ready? Here we go. So, Mary Magdalene, she, she sees this empty tomb. She ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. <laughs> that cracks me up every time, because who is he referring to? John, yeah, of course. Um, the one who Jesus loved. And said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple, and they were going towards the tomb. Both of them were running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. <laughs> And stooping to look back in, he saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb and saw the linen cloths lying there. And the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who reached the tomb first, also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. All right, let's, let's hear pause and talk this a little bit. Because this, this really sets up one of the things that, that is another theme in John. One of the things that, that, that John describes over and over and over again are people who appear to be waking up. People who were in darkness who now can see. And sometimes, in fact, not sometimes, frequently their vision takes time to adjust to the new light, to the new reality. And I was thinking, that's how our eyes are in real life, isn't it? If you're in a dark room and someone flips on the light, or you know, you're in a dark building and you step out into the bright daylight, what do you do? What, what, what kind of face do you make? Right? Kind of like this. It takes time, right? For your eyes to adjust. And, and I think our spiritual eyes often take time to adjust. There are some moments where it's, it's like you feel inspired and I see something I've never seen before and I see it clearly. There are other times, and we're going to see that happening here where it's almost as if our spiritual eyes, we're seeing it foggy, and then you're like, is that right? And then we can see clearly what we once couldn't see before. It's as if they're starting to wake up. They're in a dark place. Their light has now come, and they, they can see. But, but even as it says they're starting to believe here, they don't fully see. And we're going to see that they're going to see more and more and more as, as time goes on. Okay, let's continue to read. Let's pick this up uh, with verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as 
Oh, because the disciples went back to their homes. Did I tell you that part? Yeah. All right, great. Just making sure. You know, which is, you could really go off on this rabbit trail, couldn't you? Guys go home. Women are still there. You know what? There's, that's interesting. All right. Um, it's the inspired word of God, and it's in there. Okay, so, so Mary, the guys go home. Mary stood there. She's weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look back in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head, one at the feet. This is interesting. Again, this is the eyewitness John who, who testifies to, to these things. And he's recording this as accurately as he can through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which is really accurate. Um, and they said they saw these angels in, in white. What color do you typically wear to a funeral? Black. That's not just us. That was them. What color were the angels wearing? Like, this isn't a funeral. This wasn't left put in there by accident. All right, let's continue to read. These angels dressed in white, they say to her, Woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, They've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she didn't know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she says to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. And she said to him in Aramaic, Abonai, which means teacher. We could spend a month on this right here. Let me just quickly comment on a couple things, one of which we've commented on before. This, this is the most significant event that has ever happened in history. It is the most significant event that will ever happen in history. And which gender was testifying to it first? Men or women? It was women. women. <laughs> In the front there was a women. I can't do it like you guys can do it because I'm not a woman. All right, women. Now, this is fast, and, and we've commented on this multiple times before. In that time, in that place, a woman's testimony, you couldn't even count it in court. This is a glimpse into the future. This is a glimpse into the future. This is a glimpse towards the day when men aren't using their strength to control. This is a glimpse into a future where women can be all that God created them to be. Do you see how these glimpses of the future are breaking in right from the start? How beautiful. How beautiful is that? Oh, but there's, there's more here than this. Because the woman who this, this angel is... is proclaiming this great reality to is a woman named Mary Magdalene. Now, there's all kinds of conjecture about her, but what we do know from the scripture is that before she met Jesus, she had seven demons in her. It says that in the book of Luke. Before she met Jesus, she was under the influence of seven demonic beings. Not after she met Jesus. What did Jesus do to those things? Guys, she was living in the future. Because there's going to come a day when all that is in opposition to God, every one of those things that, that tempts us, every one of those things that, that keeps some of people enslaved in addictions, the, these things that, that, that it's like they blind your eyes to truth and to what's good for you. It's these things that you know you, you want to do this, but it keeps you from doing that. There's going to be a day that's all gone. Hallelujah. 
not just in you, but in the people you care about. When you don't have to fight and pray fervently against them because they're gone. Mary was living a new time. Jesus had spoke to those things. They were cast out of her, as one day will happen in the entire kingdom of God. And there's still more, and I don't want to make too much of this next point, because now I'm getting into speculation. But I just want to comment on it. When she sees Jesus, does she recognize it's Jesus? No. And that's puzzling to me. Um, it, some commentators, they say, well, you know, she was coming to the tomb at, you know, at, at dark. Maybe she didn't see clearly in the light. Maybe. But this happened not just here. This happened with some other guys who were on the road to Emmaus. They, they had Jesus walking with them, and, and they didn't recognize him. Again, I, I, I'm in speculation now, but could it be that this was a glimpse of the future too, that as we get these resurrection bodies, they're not identical to the ones we have now? We'll say a little bit more on that as we get farther along in this passage. Okay, let's continue to read. Uh, picking up verse 17. So this whole thing happens, and then Jesus says to Mary, Don't cling to me. I have not yet ascended to the Father, but go. Oh, look at this. All right, before I even go here, let me give you some background here. For those of you who aren't familiar with the story um, of, of how all this played out, the disciples, those closest to Jesus, in, in his hour where he was being arrested, they fled. This, this, this guy in particular named Peter, who Jesus spoke some wonderful things about, and Jesus warned this was going to happen. Peter denies him three times. So you might think, okay, Jesus is going to come and get with these guys. He's like, oh, you tell those rapscallions. You, know, you tell those weasels, I'm coming. I'm coming. And they better be on their knees, and they better be this, that, and the other thing. In, in contrast to that, take a look at this. Glimpse into the future. It says this. It says, go to, let's say, my brothers and say to them, I'm ascending to my father and your father. You tell those guys who betrayed me. You tell those guys who were shaken in fear. You tell those guys who had doubt. You tell those guys who, while the women are at the tomb, they're hiding behind locked doors. You go tell those guys, my brothers that I'm going to my father and their father, my God and their God. And Mary Magdalene, she went and announced to the disciples, I've seen God, and she, he said these things, and that he said these things to her. How beautiful is that? That those who are in Christ, when we meet him face to face, it's welcome, my brothers, my sisters. Let me introduce you to Dad. Us who have betrayed him, us who have gone our own way, us who are filled with doubts and fears and all these things. How beautiful is that? Oh. This is why, you know, he, he told Mary, go tell him these things. This is why when we are told to tell these things, it's good news. It's good news. Because we get to tell people things like this. All right. But here's the thing about the good news. Even though it's good, it's hard to believe. And those of you who have doubts about all of this, about, are you, you kidding me? You guys really believe? In, you really believe that there was an empty tomb, like somebody was killed and they rose again and there are angels and all this. Is that hard to believe? Yeah, it takes a step of faith. It was hard for them to believe it. Take a look at this. The evening of that, of that, that day, we're continuing on with verse 19. This is in the Bible. Um, John, not afraid to say, hey, we, we were scared and we had a hard time believing this. Um, 
the evening of that day, first day of the week, the doors being locked were the disciples. That's where they were in fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace with you. And then he said this. He showed them his hands. He showed them his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and then said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, okay. I'm going to make a big point, but I just want to touch on that point of, of speculation I said earlier. The doors were locked. Could it be that these new bodies are just going to be fun to test drive? You know? Go through locked doors? That'd be fun. All right. But again, that's speculation. So, let's get back to what we know. What we do know is as undeniable as a sign as this appeared to be, it was still hard to believe. And these are people who walked with Jesus, and these are people who saw the miracles. It was still hard. He, he's having to show them his hands. He's showing them his side. They didn't just see a glimpse and are like, yeah, or see the empty tomb. Yeah, it, it was like those eyes kind of going, really? Wow. And that's why I give a, one of the disciples named Thomas a little more credit than a lot of folks do. There's a disciple named Thomas. He wasn't there when this happened. And so there was even a, um, uh, a phrase that, that I, I heard a lot growing up, doubting Thomas. He's a doubting Thomas. I don't know if that's totally fair. Um, so be, we're going we're gonna to take a look here at that. But before we do, please write this down, because this is just a, a, a reality here. There are some people who just refuse to step into the light. I don't think Thomas was one of these. There are some people who just refuse to step into the light. We, we've used this language before in here. We've said that there are those who demand proof, and there are those who seek truth. And those aren't necessarily the same people. In fact, they're usually not the same people. There are some people... No proof is enough. And we looked at those last week. I think we talked about maybe even the week before. One of the miracles that's recorded in John is Jesus raising a guy named Lazarus from the dead. And there were those who saw that, and they believed. There were others who saw that, and they still doubted. They saw a person who had been dead for four days, in a grave, come out, alive. And they still doubted. There are some, if you even see a person who was dead, who was raised from the dead, you will, you will ask for more proof. There are some people like that. Thomas wasn't one of those people. Take a look at this. And this is hopeful for those who, who are sincerely seeking truth, but you're like, this is just hard to swallow. We have examples of people like Thomas. Now let's continue to read. Uh, John chapter 20, uh, picking up with verse 24. It says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, Hey, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, Hey, unless I see his hands, I see the mark of the nails, I place my finger into the mark of the nails, and place my hand in his side, I will never believe. Is this the only time that, that John records Thomas speaking? Take a look at the other time that, that he records Thomas speaking. So Thomas isn't this person who's like, I'm just going to, I am highly skeptical of this man named Jesus. This is that Lazarus we've been referencing. Before Lazarus was raised from the dead, he was sick, and Jesus got word of this, and Jesus said, hey, we're, we're going to go to Lazarus. And the disciples were like, I don't think we should do this, because what, was gonna ha what, what were the people in that area trying to do to Jesus? They were going to try to kill him. So the disciples were like, 
oh, I don't know if this is a good idea. Should we go back to that area? And that's what's happening. Jesus tells him plainly, hey, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there, that you may believe. So let's go to him. And look at Thomas. Thomas is like, hey, I had doubts about you before, but you are truly nuts. I am, no, look what he says. He says to his fellow disciples, let's go, that we may what? Doubting Thomas? Or someone who, it's like, this is just hard to swallow. You're saying you saw him. And one of the things that was interesting, there was more than one source that I was looking at that talked about a number of people in that day had a, they believed in ghosts. In fact, there was another incident where the disciples were on a boat and lightning is flashing. They see something out and walking on the water and they're like, it's a, it's a ghost. So, so we know that they were influenced by that, that type of thought. It's possible, possible that Thomas is like, well, maybe you saw something, but how do we know it's not a ghost? You know, maybe that's what was going on with Thomas. We don't, we don't know for sure. What I do know, though, is there are some biases that we all have that keep us from embracing truth. And, and there are some people who are sincerely seeking after God, but you've got a thing in your way. You know? And for some of you, that thing is a college religion class. You know, you took world religions in a class, and, and that class was taught by a person who's biased against the supernatural. Or it's a person who's been misled themselves. Or it's a person who has an axe to grind against Christianity. And this person told you all kinds of things that sounded right. And you're like, I didn't know this before. Are you kidding me? And they, they apparently point out all kinds of holes in the Bible. And they apparently say all kinds of things that have been kept secret. If that's it, if that's your thing, I'll take it to the nails in Jesus' hands. Let's go to Bethel Sem Library together. I'm serious. And let me show you some books by brilliant people. Let me show you a whole library filled with books by brilliant people and scholars and people who have done their homework and people who are going to present a whole other side. If that's your thing and you're sincerely seeking truth, that's not a thing. Let me come on. And you can, you can put your fingers in the nail holes. Well, others, that might not be your thing. Others of you, and this is a painful one for a lot of you. Some of you, it's like, I've never seen an example of a real Christian. If this is real, and this is true, then why did my priest do this? And why did the people in my church act like this? And why did my mom or my dad or my brother or my cousin, who said they're a Christian, do this? Why was it when I got into leadership in the church and I saw what's really going on, I'm, I never wanted to know again? If that's your thing, come with me to Juarez. Let me introduce you to some folks who are caring for the widow and orphan when they could be fleeing. And they're there and they're literally putting their lives on the line for what they believe. And it's transforming and Breaking cycles of poverty forever. If that's your thing, the truth is out there. I'll show it to you. you know, and, and for others, it, it could be this. And this one's a tricky one. For some of you, it could be, I just need to see something supernatural. You know, if I could just see evidence that the world isn't all test tubes and this and that and the other thing. If I could just see that, hey, I, I'd believe the reason why that one is tricky is because the Bible itself warns us against going down that path. 
You know, when, when the crowd started to swell because they heard about miracles, Jesus almost always shut down the miracles and said something really hard so that the people walked away. And when a sincere seeker was healed or had this miracle, Jesus frequently said to them, don't tell anybody this just happened. So the Bible itself cautions us against that. But here's the thing, I will tell you. You set out seeking the truth about Jesus. You set out following Jesus. You start hanging around those who are sincerely abandoned for God. You're going to see miraculous stuff. If you seek the miraculous, you generally won't see it. If you seek Jesus, you're going to see it. How many of you can testify? How many of you have seen something you cannot explained by any other way other than God stepped in. Hands up. Look at this. Look, look, look. You guys, I've seen the wind stop and start. I've seen people healed on the spot. And and, and it doesn't happen when you go seeking after it. It happens as you follow Jesus. You know, and I see the nods. So, So if that's your thing, you know, if you're sincerely seeking truth, seek it. The Bible says seek and you'll find Knock and the door will be answered to you. And this is what happens with, with, um, with Thomas. I, I forget where I was in my notes here, but did I already tell you the rest of the story with Thomas yet? Did I read that part? We don't know. You don't know either? Okay, let's read it just in case. Um, here's what happened with Thomas, in case you're wondering. Eight days later, do we read this yet? His disciples were inside again. And now Thomas is with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Does this sound at all like what happened with the other guys? Okay. Thomas wasn't there, but now he is. And he says to Thomas, Hey, let me show you what I showed the other guys. Put your fingers here. See my hands. Put, it up, put out your hand. Place it at my side. Don't, don't disbelieve. Believe. And Thomas answered him, Okay, if you will just do one more thing. Is that what he said? No. If, if you'll just fill my wallet full of money. If you'll just heal me of this... No. When, he, when this sincere seeker saw that, that stumbling block, what, did, what happened? He said, My Lord, my God. It's his eyes adjusted to this new reality. He said, My Lord, my God. And then Jesus says to him these powerful words. Have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed, blessed, blessed are those who see Blessed are those who have not seen and yet yet believe. Let me try that again. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believe. Before we close this Easter message, please write this down. And, and not just in words on your, your page, but in your, in your heart. Blessed are those who believe. Blessed are those who believe. You're blessed because those who sincerely seek truth, it's going to lead you to an empty tomb and a risen Savior. And that's a great place to find yourself. It's going to take a while for your eyes to adjust to that whole thing. But as they do, it's going to open your eyes to so much more. As your eyes adjust to that light, you're going to begin to see the kingdom of God, and it's going to spoil you from everything else. Those of you who have ever been on an awesome camp or awesome Christian camp or Christian retreat where people are treating each other the way God told us to treat each other and we're responding to God the way God says to respond to him, when you've been a part of that, it spoils you from other groups, doesn't it? It spoils you from other groups. It spoils you. When you serve the poor in God-honoring ways, and when you realize, I am somehow ministering to Christ, and I'm being blessed by this, as they're being blessed by this, as you do that, it spoils you from chasing the wind. 
spoils you after running after a paycheck. Spoils you for bigger and better. And I see some heads nodding, people who've been there. Here's another thing. As you begin to search for truth and you really study the Bible and you open this thing up, there will be times where the hairs on the back of your neck will stand up because you will look and go, are you kidding me? This fits with that which fits. Are you kidding me? These people who never knew each other, who span centuries, who span miles, are you kidding me? And it'll spoil you from trying to find truth any other place. And when the Spirit, most of all, when the Spirit gives you eyes to see that God thought you were worth dying for, what Jill said is true. Did God, did God, God die for the world? Yes. Did he die for you? Yes. When you start to realize that this God wouldn't even spare his son for you, when you can see with those eyes, oh, it changes everything. It changes everything. Blessed are those who believe. They'll see and enter the kingdom of God. And I want to touch on that enter piece. You won't only be able to see the kingdom of God. You begin to enter it. And you don't just begin to enter it now. There will come a day when you get to be in the kingdom of God. The one that's coming. Because there is a day that is coming when all darkness and the kingdom of God will be cast out. The, the, the book of John that we've been reading through here, that's not the only revelation that John gave us. John also received a revelation that we in our Bible call the book of Revelation. And that day, that book speaks of a day that's coming. And when that day comes, it's not going to be the same as when Jesus came this first time. When Jesus came the first time, out of his own mouth, he said, I've come not to condemn the world. He came to save it. And he came to, to tell us this good news that everyone who believes in him, everyone who puts their trust in him, if you do that now, in that future day, you're going to be found forgiven. You're going to be found faithful. And on that day, when Jesus comes, next time he comes, there will be judgment. And when he comes again, as a result of that good and righteous judgment, all that is not light is going to be cast out of the kingdom. You don't want to be cast out of this kingdom that is to come. Because in this kingdom to come, there's going to be no more tears. No more tears. Think of all the implications there. In this day to come, we're going to have these new, imperishable, resurrected bodies. And this goes beyond the aches and pains that we feel as we grow older. Some of you are facing stuff. There's going to be a day that's And we get glimpses every once in a while, God will bring that healing. There's going to be a day when all of that is gone. There's going to be a day when death is no more. There's going to be a day when, this, when all the saints, we get to see each other again. Right? A day we get to see Grandpa Roger, huh? It's coming. It's coming. Guys, the day is coming. No more tears. No more injustice. Amen. We can eat chocolate with them. Any chocolate we see, right? Right. Right. Because we don't have to worry about where it came from. Think about this, parents. Parents of all ages. There's going to be a day you don't have to worry about your kids. You don't have to worry about your kids. Who they're running into. Who they're running with. In fact, you'll be excited to meet them all. There's going to be a day, listen to this, when no one will be hungry. 
and no one will thirst. And there's going to be a day. Here's an interesting little thing. The Bible talks about the lion and the lamb laying down together. How cool is that? Kids, wouldn't that be cool? Put a little lamb in your lap, cuddle into a lion, and not get eaten up. Huh? That would be cool. And that kingdom is coming. It's coming. Every day is a day closer. In fact, next week, that's what we're going to talk about. This day that's coming. And when it comes, the good news, all darkness will be cast out. Bad news, you want, <laughs> you're not among those who are found forgiven and faithful can't be in the kingdom because all the darkness has got to go. Again, this is why this is good news. Because all who put their trust in this empty tomb, all sincere seekers, <laughs> we can be called brother, sister, can be introduced to his God and our God. You know, and right now in this place, I mean, this is what the church is called to be. We're called to give people a glimpse of that future in the way we treat each other, in the way we act, in the way we respond to our world. They're, they're to see little glimpses of this future that has come in us. As we don't wait for that day, but we right now start to eradicate darkness in our world in God-honoring ways. That's what we're called to be. And as we do that, we look to the day when all darkness is gone. And, and isn't that we celebrate when we gather around the Lord's table. Take a look at this. This is out of um, uh, writings of a man named Paul. And he's referring to these wondrous events. And look how he, he ends this. Let's start at the beginning, work towards it. The Lord Jesus, out of 1 Corinthians 11, uh, for those of you listening online, the Lord uh, Jesus, on the night which was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And look at this. For as often as you drink this bread, or eat this bread, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until when? Until he comes. Because he's coming. So let's do that. Let's have a worship band come up. Let's have a choir. Great job, choir, by the way. You guys sounded awesome. Um, as they come forward, let's prepare ourselves to do this. And if, if you're not a member of this church, if you're not a member of any church, we would love to have you consider joining us around the Lord's table. At our church, we practice what's called open communion. Anyone who desires to step into the light are welcome to join us. There's a little bit more about communion. If you're not sure, on the back of your bullet, you can read through that. But if you can sincerely pray these prayers that we're going to pray together, we would be honored. We'd be excited to have you join us around the Lord's table this morning. So let's do that. Let's take some time to, to prepare ourselves. And what better day than Easter Sunday to do this? So let's, let's prepare ourselves uh, with, with these prayers. So please, please pray out loud with me these amazing words. Heavenly Father, to whom all hearts and minds are open, and all desires are known. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may more perfectly love you and more worthily magnify your holy name. We confess that we are sinners and cannot save ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole hearts. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. 
Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. We are not worthy for these gifts which we are about to receive, but say the word and we will be made clean. What we just did together as one voice, I would encourage you to do now individually, you and God. You know, and one of the beautiful things that we see in the scripture is as light touched darkness, the darkness didn't get rid of the light. As Jesus, who was clean, touched things that were unclean, it wasn't that he became unclean, it's that they became clean. So today, as dark as your life has been, as unclean as you may feel, we would love for you to come. Step in. Step into the light. Now I feel like I'm getting kind of weird with that. But Bible headed first, right? Bible headed first. All right. So I would encourage you, take time, make this real, personalize this. As today we gather around the Lord's table. Let, let's pray this one more prayer together and then communion service while you come forward. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.